by tuning in, you have invited God into your presence. Praise the Lord. Now, if you would turn your Bibles uh, to, let's go here, to Mark chapter 10, verse 13 through 16. We're going to begin the word. We'll start here. And I'm going to give a little time for those who, uh, once you're there, you can say amen. Amen. <laughs> All right, some are faster than others, but praise God for that. we got also got our projectors. And the, and the Bible says, and they brought young children to him that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, put his hands up upon them, and blessed them. How many of us would like to have that happen to us? That God, that Jesus would have laid his hands upon us and, and just blessed us. It had been a, and, and he still does. He does in spirit. But I'm talking about that physical feel. There's a difference between that spiritual and the physical. Because when God puts his hands upon you, I could just imagine how they felt. If you would bow your heads and pray with me for the word. Lord, we thank you for the word, Lord. If you would anoint my lips, Lord, to speak, Lord God. Lord, a blessing, Lord God, that would bring understanding, Lord, that it would be wisdom, Lord God, and it comes from you, Lord, but also that we would bless those who feel ignored, unwanted, Lord, and in, that go unnoticed, that we would be sensitive to the needs of others around us as well at these times because in such a way we demonstrate the work of your hands in our lives to bring glory to your name and so that we seal this prayer, Lord, in your mighty name, Jesus, we pray, amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Praise God. Thank you. Oh, praise. Thank you. Amen. So I, I usually tend to forget to mention the message or the title message. I mean, it's up on the screen at times. Uh, there it is. But I forget to mention it, so I'm going to go ahead and mention it. It says, uh, looking for the overlooked. In Mark chapter 10, verse 14, a very interesting point is made about how Jesus felt emotionally and more importantly, what it was about. We know that the Bible says that he was, uh, he, he, was, it's, he, was, he was a bit bothered. He was not very happy with uh, what was turning out. But more importantly, uh, what it was that was happening. And, and of course, we know that the disciples uh, were trying to do, I believe they were trying to do something that was good, not realizing that it was. But I think this also gives us uh, the opportunity and to, to recognize that there's, there's room for all of us to grow. With that being said, in verse 13 it reads, But they brought young children to him, and that he should touch them, and his disciples rebuked those that brought them. So the disciples did this. And I don't think, and again, I don't think they did it knowingly. Uh, they were kind of protecting. And, and I could kind of see that in a sense, I guess, if I was in the uh, part of the tribe of Israel trying to protect the tabernacle. Not anybody just could go in there, so there's a protective barrier there. But when Jesus came, it wasn't about that anymore. Uh, Jesus came openly and willing to do uh, the work that was bid into him that he had prophesied through all the prophets in the Bible. And verse 14 says, but, but when he saw, when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the children to come unto me. And then again, and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of God. Jesus takes notice of the overlooked. And this is what this basically is about. It's about those that are not seen at times, that are forgotten, 
And it's easy for someone to overlook something like in a grocery list. I mean, that's an example. Uh, if, if you've ever had, uh, you know, you, you're parking your car and you're, you're coming home and nothing, nothing is in your mind but about just slipping into some slippers and sitting into your couch, you forget to roll your windows up and uh, you go home. And, of course, these things are not going to affect anybody personally but yourself. And in doing that, uh, and I just want to clarify, the reason I bring that up is because when we do something to someone else or, or and I get overlook, it, it does affect them. The window rolling down, you can always roll the windows back up. As long as it doesn't rain, you're hoping that nothing's going to be soaked. If you forgot the groceries, you can always go back to the grocery store and pick up what you forgot. So by, again, overlooking, uh, there's only hurt that comes to you. We, however, can, cannot overlook people. People, as we know, because we all fall into that category and we know what it feels like to be overlooked. So if Jesus did not think it was okay to be overlooked or to overlook someone, even children, nor should we, more importantly, because we have experienced it. And I think that's a life changer for all of us. When we go through something, it makes us, you know, I, I went through that and I wouldn't want you to be there. And uh, there's people that I've talked to and I've shared that with. And it's hard for them to understand that I've been in that position and I am where I am now. And I said, you know what, the reason I'm here is because God has put me where I am right now. It has nothing to do with the, it, it, it's my popularity. It has nothing to do with the money that I have. It has nothing to do with that. It's God who is involved. And, and some people are motivated by that and some people are not. So we hope that everybody is motivated in that sense. Overlooked. And so it's just fail, fail to notice someone or something. We cannot overlook someone and then expect them to feel comfortable being around us. To overlook someone knowingly is unkind and reflects the opposite of love. Some of us would agree that overlook can take a different meaning in the perspective of Jesus' view. Just Jesus was implying not to treat children as if they were meaningless or not important, meaning we would and we could learn from them. Mark chapter 10, verse 15, Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a child, he shall not enter therein. The innocence of a child is what the Lord Jesus is referring to. We must be innocent to overlook anyone on, on purpose. Every human being matters in the eyes of God, from small to big. And if the kingdom of God is as, of the, as innocence in mind, and the ways, in the ways of the child, we might want to take those wise words of Jesus, sow them into our hearts, and then of course, allow it to fester a bit and let it become part of us. I so love what God does uh, when he tests our patience uh, to see if we're, we have understood what he is saying. My son Armand, he's not here, but he, uh, he sat with me yesterday. Was it yesterday? Yes, it was yesterday. And he said to me, he wanted to know what I was talking about today. And I gave him a smart remark. Here I am talking about what God tells us to do, and we shouldn't. And I said, well, here's what I said. I said, I'm teaching about God. I just said it just like that. I'm teaching about God. Him not knowing what was, that I was being sarcastic, and then I was kind of being a smarty pants with him. He, he kind of looked at me, and he kind of, and he just asked me again, about what? So I started to open up a little bit, and then I found myself in this very predicament where I, I started to realize that God will test us 
over what we're talking about at times the day before to see if you are going to do what you're supposed to do. So there I am. I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm thinking, well, I'm, I'm working on this. And he looked at me, and I said, you know what? I sat to the side. He sat beside me, and I started to talk to him. And I said to him, uh, what I'm teaching about tomorrow is about the Lord. But it's about overlooking people. And it went, it went so far into it. I think we spent about an hour, hour and a half talking about it. Delilah happened to join in, and uh, as I'm talking about it, you know, God continued to speak to my heart and said, these children of yours are able to hear what you're able to say. They can understand what you're saying, and they deserve to hear these same words. And if they can grow from it, that's great. And if they don't, hopefully it will be in their hearts, and they'll remember something that I talked to, to them about, and it will you know, it'll, it'll all come back to them. It will be effective for their lives. It's, it's, and again, ju just as it's important, and here's the scripture that I ended up speaking to them with uh, or about. I'm sorry. I spoke to them about what God wanted us to do and be like. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good, report if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think of these things. And those things, I kind of started to expound on them and, and just, they were like, wow, that's okay. That's, 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 I could tell Armand was kind of given in a little bit. So he was done about an hour and a half, hour and 15 minutes more or less. So there, and I sat, you know, I sat in with them. I made sure that the time that I spent with them was important. I wanted to give them that same valuable time that I would give someone else if I gave them a Bible study. It's important. It's important for them to grasp what we're trying to teach them. I think that family, uh, we all tend to do that. You know, we all tend to do that. We t tend to push the kids to the side. It's not something that we do on purpose. Uh, you know, as adults, it's easy to relate to the, you know, the discipline, the, you know, disciplining um, our, our kids. The disciples were trying to discipline these, these adults by pushing the kids off. But, you know, at the same time, I, the feelings that the disciples had, we at times have, not realizing it. And we as adults, again, we have these projects and as pushing these kids off, sometimes they may feel um, unwanted and unimportant. And it's very important that we give them that attention so that when they, when they see you doing something else, they feel gravitated to say, you know what, I can still go over there and help mom because, or dad because I helped them that time. And they allowed me to, inter, you know, to interact with them. So the importance of involving ourselves. They also have less experience than adults. Their skills are limited uh, as in their attention span. And often they do not grasp the importance, I said, of the matter at hand. It is tempting for us to just tell them again to move out of the way. And I think we should be patient about that. And, uh, and if the Bible says that we, you know, if, if it, it, patience, uh, it, it gives us, it, we, we build patience. And in building patience, we also end up uh, building something not only for ourselves but for our children. It's an example to those who see us and walk with us. We see it as inconvenient at times. It requires a great deal of patience, and I just mentioned that. But once children are properly trained, and this is the benefit. I think we all can uh, attest to this, that they become productive in society, and they will carry their own weight and then some. And when I say then some is when, uh, you know, they start bringing things home. Hey, so I, I bought, hey, Dad, I bought, I bought some ice or I bought some things that we need for the house. I say, praise God, thank you very much. 
And uh, so I, I have benefited from that, but, uh, you know, uh, and I, I think we all have if we have children. The disciples were so focused on their goals as I was on mine. And just as they failed to see the long-term picture, I did also with Armand and Delilah. That is an error that I think we all make at times. It's not on purpose. It just happens. But it's important to catch it when it does happen. We bring it back in. And again, we as adults make mistakenly. We see children as unimportant. Children often internalize that message I said earlier and consider themselves unimportant. It is like a person standing on the playground waiting to be picked for a team. And I think we can all relate to that too. You know, he nervously, you know, we nervously watch the team captains pick the people down. Okay, I'll take that one, that one. They pick all the big people. Then they pick all the uh, fast-running people. And then I'm left. <laughs> and, I'm think, and then they're surprised when I start running. <laughs> and so they wonder, maybe we should have picked Andy. Yeah, you should have picked Andy. But that's okay. Uh, you know, God looks, there's a benefit to that. Uh, sometimes people can't see the, uh, and I'm going to say the, the, the good things about us. They can't see, uh, you know, the, uh, the character of an individual, but God can. And, and that's the benefit of, of serving a living God, that God can see through all that, and, and, and in all that, he blesses us. And again, I'm pretty sure if you've ever been uh, the untalented last to pick, uh, you're going to feel a little bit humiliated. This is why the Bible says, uh, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. God is not like us. He sees value in people we, somet we sometimes cannot. And, and it's a good thing because when it pops up, it will manifest itself. God is like the professional scout who looks past the, the fluff and finds the athlete who has both talent and discipline. God is like the antique dealer who scratches through the layers and the layers of paint that have covered the true beauty of his natural design and creation. When God's creation is exposed, it's, it's uh, and I don't want to say it's, uh, how should I say this? It's, for some, they can't see it because it's too bright. The, the light of God is bright, and, uh, and God's brightness tends to push away darkness. And so some people can't, don't like that beauty. But the beauty of God in, in its most natural state is beautiful, is what I like to say. Amen. Our world seems to overlook people with the best hearts and the greatest character. And society seems to be attracted to, to the noisy, talented, and pushy people. But a good pastor, teacher, or parent will look past talent or personality and see the value of a sincere soul like God does. Jesus went out of his way to reach those who had been overlooked. He changed his itinerary to visit a well where he ministered to the Samaritan woman who had been married five times. The result was that she later became an effective witness. Jesus risked his reputation by eating with Zacchaeus, uh, the tax collector. And I believe we can, again, attest to things like that where we have gone through trials, we've gone through things, and uh, God has transformed us and changed us. Jesus touched and healed uh, unclean lepers and made a special trip to deliver a man so mentally unstable that he lived in a graveyard. Jesus was living out what the psalmist described. In Psalm 146, verse 5 through 9, Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God, which made heaven and earth, 
the sea, and all that there is, therein is, which keepeth truth forever, which executeth judgment for the oppressed, which giveth food to the hungry. The Lord looseth the prisoners, the Lord openeth the eyes of the blind, the Lord raiseth them that are bowed down, the Lord loveth the righteous, the Lord preserveth the strangers, he relieveth the, the fatherless and widow, but the way of the wicked he turneth upside down. It sounds like uh, I, I did a small study on grace, and, and grace is a, I, I saw it as a, uh, well, I shouldn't say saw it. It's in Scripture, in, in the Hebrew text. It describes it. And I know we all said we, we're saved by grace, and, um, but it was beautiful. Have you, ever, have you ever gone into the Hebrew text and, and studied it? You'll, you'll notice that the grace of God is, um, it's, it's in picture form. And the first picture is actually a, a fence. Or like a wall. And the grace of God, there's two walls per each side. And right after that, there's a small uh, seedling popping up, which means it sprouts forward. So the grace of God are two walls that sprout forward no matter where you go. And they're always with you. And that's, that's, it's a description in the Hebrew of the grace of God. Our job is to see through the eyes of Jesus. When Jesus began his ministry, he picked what some scholars believe to be a group of uh, teenage boys from fishing villages to help him change the world. These people were not educated. These were just normal uh, men. And again, if we have ever read the scriptures, we'll read that the Bible, they make fun of those who got the Holy Ghost in the day of Pentecost because they called them Galileans. They called them unlearned. And so this was something, uh, a statement to be, uh, to be made here. Therefore, we should not discount the possibility of him using the young, uncultured, or inexperienced to do his work. Jesus did not build his ministry by headhunting. He did not go to Jerusalem for, or Rome in search of talent. He did not scout the great schools of exclusive families of his day to ensure his team would succeed. In other words, God can use anyone he desires. There has to be a desire in the heart. There has to be a wanting. Lord, I want to do this for you. I mean, don't get me wrong. God can still use a scholar and use him for his work as well as he can take someone who is not educated, who probably never uh, went to a third grade and, uh, or third grade, I should say, and he could still build them up. It's by the Spirit of the Lord. Again, rather, he, cho he chose good hearts and sincere people. He trained them to do the world change, to be world changers. Then he left this earth. Imagine that. He encouraged his followers to continue in the same manner. God left the earth and he trusted us with it. And he says, you can do the same. He bestowed that power unto us. Jesus' compassion was especially evident by the way he treated children. In Mark chapter 10, when Jesus noticed his disciples were turning children away, he was greatly displeased and said to them, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them. For such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say unto you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will, be, will by no means enter it. And he took them up in his arms and he laid them in his hands. So this is something, and, and the Bible says, then and, and he blessed them. And again, how many of us believe that whatever Jesus lays his hands on, I said earlier, he is going to make flourish no matter what. Either way, it's going to flourish when he puts his hands on it. When Jesus ministered to the children, he was planting seeds and giving young souls an opportunity to be a part of his eternal kingdom. Again, excited about stuff like that. I said, Lord, lay your hands on me. But again, it's in spirit now. 
We would be wise to minister as Jesus did. He was willing and ready to minister to anyone and everyone. He broke racial barriers, gender barriers, class barriers, and age barriers. He loved everyone. In our story, Jesus warned uh, that if we do not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, we will not get in. Children tend to be more trusting and less opinionated than adults. They are often more willing to jump in and try something new. They seem to be a little bit more open-minded when it comes to believing in the miraculous. Adults learn how to curb, uh, you know, part of these attributes. In other words, I'm not so sure. But children, you teach them something and you tell them something. And uh, people say that, uh, they used to call me gullible. They used to say I was gullible because I believed everything. Oh, really? And so, oh, you're so gullible. It's not that. It's that everything people told me, I believed it to be true. But now I've learned that everything that is told to me is true. So I'm not as gullible as I used to be. But children are. Children can pick that up and say, you're going to be healed in Jesus' name. Sometimes we wonder, like, how did that healing happen? Usually, we, well, it was because an adult, well, it could also be a child. The faith of a child, I'm going to say it's unshakable. I believe that the faith of a child is unshakable until somebody says something otherwise. If we discourage our young to say, well, no, it wasn't, then, then that will, it will fall. And then their mind will begin to wander away from that. So we should always encourage our children, yes, God did heal them. And, uh, and that will stay with them. And it will grow into them. It will be part of them. Amen? Amen. And yes, sometimes caution is in, uh, is, is in order. But when it comes to our relationship with our Heavenly Father, we must risk trusting and hoping for the miraculous. As we are careful not to overlook others, we should pause to consider that God does not overlook us. God may be calling some of us who are studying this passage today to climb into his arms and let him love us. So this, again, this is for everybody. This is for the people outside the church, inside the church, to bring them in. But it's also for, you know, for, for I, I said from young to tall, I'm going to say tall and short. How's that? <laughs> we'll leave age out of it today. <laughs> Amen. Knowing how gracious Jesus was to the outcasts and overlooked, uh, overlooked and to the children, uh, we can have confidence he, wa he wants to minister to us as well. So in order to make sure we do not hold God at arm's length and forfeit what he has for us, we must deliberately approach him like a trusting child. Praise God. The little, the little children who approached Jesus had a unique privilege of having God incarnate, and I said this earlier, to put his, to put his hands on them and impart blessings. What is incredible uh, today, the experience that must have been, that we can also receive that today. Jesus still does this today, only he uses his body, the church, to do so. God blesses people when we allow him and let faith and healing and the power to flow through us to those from whom we pray and on whom we lay hands on. This faith is something that God has imparted into us and he is allowed to for it to flow through us through the Holy Ghost. The Bible says that the apostles went to be endued with power. It wasn't something, it wasn't just a, uh, just as, hey guys, you're going to go get, you're going to go and be endued with power. There was something great about it. The Bible said even, uh, there was a scripture that I came across yesterday and I was talking to the kids about it where it talked about the seven, uh, the seven sons of Esquiva. And it talks about where, uh, to me it was interesting 
Paul was probably working within that, that area in that neighborhood. So the demons and spirits probably knew him there. But we know this, if we've read the scripture, it says that, it, it says, Paul I know and Jesus I know, but who are you? It is important to be endued with this power so that when you come against, and I'm not saying to go search for it, but when you come against something that is uh, ungodly, you can cast out, cast it out in the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. Churches that operate in apostolic authority bless those who come to their venues. People who are privileged to grow up in the church learn at a young age to pray, to teach, and to lay hands on the sick. Amen. Yesterday, my feet were swollen. This is true. <laughs> I told Brother Richard about this. And, you know, I, I, lay, I laid down and I started to pray and I was singing a song and unto the Lord. And, and after, you know, later in that day, it wasn't, it wasn't as bad as it was, but there was still some swelling going on. So uh, I, I, I asked the Lord to, Lord, heal my body. Help, give me strength. And uh, the swelling continued to go down. And today I can barely feel anything, which is great. But I, and, and again, encouraging our kids, my, my wife was uh, not feeling very well. And she was laying in bed. So I said to my son, uh, let's go pray for your mom. And so we went over there and we laid hands on her. And I said, God is going to heal her. You'll pray, for, pray with me. He says, yes. And we started to pray. And about an hour and a half later, uh, we went over there and we bothered her just to see how she was doing. And she was feeling better. And she had a smile on her face. And uh, before that, it wasn't there. She was just feeling so uncomfortable. So we know God still heals people if we believe and we pray and because the Bible says that we need to believe when we ask of it. Ask of it and believe it. Trusting that God's going to do it. We should all be forever grateful for parents, friends, Sunday school teachers, youth leaders, pastors, evangelists, and Bible school instructors who have put their hands on our heads and prayed for us throughout the years. They were being intentional not to overlook anyone. How many of us have had that done? I know that I have. I've had, I've had people lay hands on me. I mean, pastors, evangelists. Uh, friends, brothers, sisters, and it's, it's a good feeling to know that you have a praying family because if there's no praying family, then you're going to be in trouble because there's nobody to pray for you. And I believe that's why the Bible is to say to pray for one another and also pray without ceasing and also to have a brother uh, because if you have somebody with you and you fall, you have somebody to lift you up, help you up again. As believers who know Christ and his love on a personal basis, we have the wonderful opportunity to minister to people who feel unimportant and overlooked. We can speak faith into their lives. We can train those who have, uh, have a heart to minister. We can comfort those who are struggling. We should consider it a privilege and a blessing to minister like Jesus did. But to do so, first we must be sensitive to the plight of those around us. Are we looking? Before we conclude, let's take a quick look at Jesus' mission statement. While in the synagogue of his hometown, Jesus read this passage of Isaiah. And then declare that it was being fulfilled through him. Take note on how perfectly it summarized the topic we've kind of been discussing here. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives. And the opening of the prison to them that are bound. To claim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all that mourn. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion. To give unto them beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. 
the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. This is talking about Jesus. All these things are brought unto us that we may do these things, that we may give him praise, that we may be joyful. And in doing so, I think we should be grateful. Amen. Each of us who will choose to embrace Jesus' mission will experience the abundant life he promised. As he uses us to bless the lives of those who are forgotten and, of course, the overlooked. There's a, there's a, there's a short story I was going to talk about. And um, it was based on a doctor that, uh, let me see if I have it. It was based on a doctor. His name was uh, Dr. Frank Parker and his wife, Marion. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of this story. And it was in Massachusetts, and it was, there was a leper colony that was out uh, in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it's, it was land, but it was out there. And uh, it was called Piccanese Island. Does that ring a bell to anybody? No? Wow. That's interesting because these people were forgotten. During that time, now at that time, uh, it, and I'm not, I'm not saying it's not a bad thing not to know. This, this, and this is being overlooked is what the whole purpose of this was. And what it is is these people were, didn't, were not wanted in their place where they were. And so they were pushed out and they were kicked out to wherever they were. They were put in uh, different places. And eventually the hospitals pushed them out because they didn't want them where they were because they didn't want to catch uh, leprosy. And I don't know if I mentioned that. So what ended up happening, this doctor, Dr. Frank Parker and wife Marion, they bought this property, uh, I think it was 50000 And they might have had the government help them a little bit. I'm not 100% sure. But what I know is this, that Dr. Frank Parker and his wife were well-educated. They left their entire career to serve these people that were never going to give them anything. In doing so, obviously, we know that eventually they went broke. Uh, and and, and, and the, the interesting part of the story was that towards the end, after the, the place eventually closed down because they lost funding, that because they didn't want them to have that open, they, the people that knew about it spoke of who they, who they were, what they were doing, and it was very difficult for them to get a job wherever they went. Some of the people that were there were very, um, they were very emotional. They were joyful knowing that these people had decided to, to do something that was, I don't want to say unthinkable. It was thinkable. Jesus would have done it, but we see there's a society that is not willing to do that. And for those who are where it, uh, uh, leprosy is now, uh, if it's caught uh, early enough, it's, it's reversible. It's kind of curable. It, it can be maintained. But once it goes too far, it's... It, it's not going to stop. It's, it's just like cancer. So anyhow, these people left everything and in the end trying to help someone, or um, uh, I think it was about 30, 40 people, uh, they turned, people actually cursed them by, by saying these things. And it saddened my heart a little bit. But there's now memory of them. There's record of them. There's history of them because they did something out and beyond what anybody would do. And I was curious, did these people even serve God? And it turns out that they did. They did it out of the goodness of what they knew what was right to do, as we should do at the times. In closing, 
there was a senior pastor that sat on a platform marveling uh, at the words of faith and wisdom flowing from the mouth of a young man at a pulpit. God's anointing was apparent and powerful. The preacher was articulate and compassionate, and the principles he was skillfully declaring were biblically solid. It was one of those moments when the pastor felt like there is a God and everything is right in the universe. As a young man continued to minister, the pastor's mind flashed back to the day 20 years before when he had first taken the reins at the small country church. The young man who had now waxed eloquent was now barely out of toddlerhood at the time. Back in the day, no one expected the child to teach a class or even take out the garbage. They just provided weekly classes and enjoyed watching him play with the other church kids. About that time, the young preacher stepped down the altar, steps in order to emphasize the final point of his sermon. In that moment, the pastor appreciated the fact that the sermon being preached was a fruit of a thousand sermons and hundreds of Sunday school and youth classes that had nurtured and developed the young preacher into a man of God. Praise the Lord. Furthermore, the con uh, con con consensuous care of the church had protected the young man just as his new wife had been protected 50 miles away in another church that understood the value of children. Now the two church kids were married and leading a youth group of their own. A few minutes later, as a young man asked everyone to join him in, in the altar, uh, people of every age, every race, and every background made their way to the front where they had allowed God to minister and through them to others. No one was overlooked. No one was unimportant. Everyone was valuable. It doesn't get any better than that. The joy and satisfaction of seeing someone, you or someone else in the church mentored uh, doing the work of God brings incredible joy and inspires us to love and nurture somebody else, does it not? Not everybody will have uh, this exact story, but God will use us to find another child or another overlooked person to inspire to give his or her life to God so that he can make that person fruitful in his kingdom. At Touch the Future, uh, at the, the conference that uh, we attended, uh, Brother Huntley made uh, mention of uh, several things that will help revival and uh, things that we should expect during revival. And he said uh, that when you have revival, there's going to be a mess. He said we can sometimes be focused on keeping things a certain way and our church a certain way. And we lose focus of God's plan. So don't lose focus, or better yet, don't look over what God is about to do in your church. Let's not displease Jesus. Let's do what we're called to do. If you would stand with us today, we're going to sing praises to the Lord. He's worthy of it. And you know that if, if you've been overlooked... Don't be afraid to step forward. Don't be afraid. This is where this is this is what this is why we're here. We don't want anyone to be overlooked. We're all going to the same heaven. We all serve the same God, and we're all filled with the same Holy Ghost. So if we're all filled with the same Holy Ghost, it's that same love within all of us. 
I think at times we, we find it hard to get past some points in life, but the scripture that we should remember, that perfect love casteth out fear. It will cast every fear that you have. You don't have to fear anymore. You know what? Because the love of God is in you. Because the Bible says if it's not in you, then if you have fear, then you're not perfect. But I'm going to tell you right now, don't fear. The love of God is in us. We don't have to be afraid anymore. If you will lift your hands up and praise him today, if you sing with us unto the Lord, sing to him like it's a new song, like you've never heard it before, and you're glad to hear it. Take this offering that I bring humbly. I live to 
to be here it's a blessing to be here how many of us believe that I believe that it's a blessing to be here we have we have the Spirit of God with us we're a church we're united here right now we've all lifted hands to the one living God we know that he is Jesus and that he's coming back one day praise the Lord I hope that God has blessed you with this word today, not only here, but also for those who are here through online and if you're hearing it today, God bless you. Join us today. We're gonna go into prayer right now, but but I know that God is changing things and, and we hope that, that your heart is stirred and your spirit is moved to answer the call of God. Praise the Lord. God bless you all. We're gonna move into prayer in a few minutes. Praise God. God bless you with this word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord.